Today at SCC, the sports car community is now on Clubhouse. The crew break down their experiences with the app. Then later, two all-star players' cards are surging in the sports car market. Find out who, coming up now on SCC. Welcome to episode 17 of Sports Cards Culture. I'm Chris with Josh, Christina, and Nick. First up, let's talk about the sports card community on Clubhouse. So, Clubhouse is a new social media app. Christina, putting you on the spot right off the bat. Christina, what is Clubhouse? How would you describe it? Oh, wow. Okay. So, I would describe Clubhouse as a conference room where you could be in your pajamas and give hot takes to topics uh pretty much anything under the sun there's like a room for everything let me give you a little bit of background on clubhouse it's invitation only and iphone only it launched in april of 2020 so it's about a year old it had acquired 600,000 users by the end of last year but it took a big jump when elon musk began discussing it it now has over 13 million downloads and according to its last round of funding, the value of the app is $4 billion. So why are we talking about this? Because it's a unique and fun way to enjoy sports cards and engage with the sports card community. And basically, here's how it works. It's a very simple and intuitive platform. Everything is audio only, no video, like Christina alluded to. You make rooms. The rooms are separated into two categories, speakers and listeners. You can either just be a listener or you can raise your hand. You can become a speaker. Speakers have the ability to mute and unmute their microphones in order to interact. The biggest sports card club on Clubhouse has over 3,000 members. And for as long as I've been on Clubhouse, which is about two months, there's been at least one sports card room going at all times. And I mean literally all times, even at 5 a.m. in the morning, which makes sense because we love to talk sports cards all the time. So here's what I like about Clubhouse. To me, it's the closest thing to a digital replica of in-person interactions that we have at card shows, at shops, at trade nights, and those experiences have been really missed during the pandemic. Uh, a friend once described Clubhouse as poorly produced podcasts, which I agree with, but the fact that makes it different and better is that there's a live element to this. You can jump into and out of the podcast at your leisure. You can jump in literally and talk to the hosts ask them to elaborate on things, even become a host yourself. And I also like the people on Clubhouse. There's a lot of early adopters. It's open-minded and conscientious people. It's generally a pleasant group. But let me emphasize this. Sports card Clubhouse is still in its infancy. We're still figuring out how to do this properly. All right, so let me tag in Josh. Josh has been on Clubhouse for a week now. Josh, what are your first impressions of Clubhouse? Do you see potential here long-term for a sports card community to flourish? Yeah, my initial impression is that it's uh, it's an exciting platform for the community for sports cards. Like you said, it kind of replicates the in-person aspect of sports card shows without you know us having to leave our homes. And uh, it's very fun to use. And uh, you know, I, I I've said it a few times, but I I just I enjoy the personal touch that it has. You can kind of get to uh, know people a little bit better than just through the what they tell you on their stories on Instagram. So there's just like a very direct communication going, and I think it's a lot of fun. And I think there's Definitely room for improvement, but we'll get into those. Indeed, we will. Christina? Yes? You've been on Clubhouse for some time now, since you work next to me in an office all day and night, but you more recently made your own account. You've been branching off. You've joined a few rooms on your own. What are your first impressions of Clubhouse? Um, I agree with Josh. I think it's a really interesting platform. Uh, I, I like the take of a, like a 
poorly produced podcast. I would say informal podcast, though, uh, if I were to edit that script. I enjoy Clubhouse because uh, I enjoy hearing what people think. And uh, it takes some of the anonymous, like, online social media game out of this platform um people use their real names you hear voices like it's much more it seems more interpersonal than like at instagram or twitter dm uh or group chat and i really enjoy hearing about uh everyone's favorite cards over and over again (laughs) okay good because this is what's coming up here so save that one write that one down yeah because i want we all want sports cards on clubhouse we want that community to flourish so let's get constructive josh how can we improve the experience as the participants ourselves how can we do better to make sports card clubhouse better what are some things we could do to improve the experience for ourselves well as with as with most things in life it needs better leadership uh, it needs people to take the moderator role more seriously and uh, lead the discussion and also determine who is allowed on stage and who is not. Um, I think that just like the easiest way is just to not have so many people on stage. Like I've been in rooms where they're like everyone in the room is on stage all at once and it just becomes too many people talking and the topics just jump around too much because everyone's wanting to get their point across and it just like sort of gets things off topic very quickly like on the crossover our show is very is very focused and we move through topics i feel like if we had that sort of focus and you know a small group of people maybe like two to six uh i think it could be crossover with some added elements that keep it flowing and keep it interesting yeah i've seen sports journalists use uh a similar app to clubhouse except it's called locker room And the way they use it is they build an audience and then they will bring up one person at a time from the audience to pose a question, to have a back and forth, send them back down to the audience, next person come up. We're going to do a new uh, after hours of the crossover this Friday night, right after this show actually debuts. It will be on Clubhouse. We're going to try out that approach. Uh, Hopefully Christina doesn't send everybody to the audience again uh, like she did last time. Actually, hopefully she does, but at the right time. Christina, same question to you. Yes. How can we improve Sports Card Clubhouse? Um, I think one way you could be more conscientious as a sports card community member on Clubhouse would be to really listen to what other people are saying and don't just try to overtake the conversation. Yeah. Like I hear that a lot like when like a good flow is starting someone will jump in from the audience or jump in from like outside the room and then just like pose a question and it's like wait wait wait. like we were we were doing well right there like what are you doing guy yeah i agree i think we could develop some best practices like uh josh had come up with one idea which was hey if somebody's ready to speak unmute your microphone so that people see that you're ready to speak so that you hold your place in line so that it's not just a a quickest to the trigger thing when somebody finishes talking and four guys whoever blurts out the first word gets to go next oh right right and then another (laughs) one is like after you say something let two to three people two to three other people speak after you've spoken and then you come back yeah because otherwise just becomes like a back and forth between two people and then what's the point of having all these other people on stage then 
So another thing I would recommend is don't be afraid of awkward silences. Like mm. after people stop talking sometimes, like they'll literally wait two seconds. And if no one jumps in, they'll be like, um, so guys, what do you think about this other topic? Even though we were flowing right there and like maybe someone was collecting their thoughts or maybe someone was just raising their hand from the audience and like a mod hadn't seen it yet. And like now you've completely pivoted and you've filled up extra time to talk. Yeah, there's. What a do you guys think about retail? <laughs> <laughs> there also is um, a different point of view from this. Okay, so that's that's how we can do better as users. But Josh, what do you think from the perspective of developers? How can the developers of Clubhouse make it a better experience for us and or for the sports card community in particular? Um. I think the first thing they can do is make the mute button more like integrated into the into the flow of things. Like I, I just find myself having to continuously press mute and unmute and I have to like use mute to say that I'm ready. I have to use mute to like clap. I feel like the mute button is has become this like all purpose button, but I think they can they can improve that. Like auto mute people when they're not speaking and if you're about to speak, like unmute it automatically. I think that would be a, a neat feature because it's just like you obviously want everyone muted if they're not talking. So that should just be automatic. And then some sort of clap button and then maybe a button that's like holding your your spot to speak next. I think just making those things more like uh, more uh, integrated into the flow of the discussion. And then maybe something around making like the current topic that we're discussing, like a banner or something, something that's like obvious that, hey, this is the topic at hand right now. Please try to stick to it and not just change subjects because it's kind of a free for all right now. It's just... It feels like we're making the app what we want it to be, but the tools we have in place, we're sort of like hacking them to to do what we want with it. I feel like it should just be more integrated now that we know how it's being used. Indeed. Uh, reminds me of like being in clubs in college, like philosophy club or something, and you'd have a room of 20 people and put your chairs in a circle, and so many people would want to talk that eventually like we had to start making a list and like... Who raised their hand first? Okay, you're first on the list when this person's done bloviating. And then second, and by the time somebody's done talking, there's five people on the list. And then, you know, you start going around. And, and the list doesn't work. But what it does is it disciplines people into speaking for shorter periods of time and understanding that there's lots of people who want to talk. So it creates a, it, it, so it, the, the list isn't the fix, but it works closer to the fix. Like a talking stick. Like a talking stick, exactly. Okay. Uh, Christina, same question to you. I do have one. A chat feature. Okay. Like, sometimes when you're in the audience, you just want to, like, put a comment in or, like, maybe help redirect the conversation in a, like, productive way. Um, But maybe necessarily you can't speak because you're, like on the street and there's an ambulance going by and no one wants to hear those sirens while you're trying to talk or um, there's a baby crying and no one wants to hear that so (laughs) um, and also like I find that a lot of people are on Clubhouse but like also on Instagram or Facebook message like talking to each other privately during the conversation to like and you want to see all those messages don't you no you could like I want it to be more like Zoom where you can chat publicly to everyone or mm. send uh. like private messages from a drop down list to people who are in that room with you. 
Yeah, it would be a nice touch if there's a group chat. What do you think about the idea of a group, a visible group chat for the rooms, Josh? Yeah, I'd, I'm starting to get worried. I would get too worried that we have too many things going on. I think the simplicity of the audio only is kind of nice, but I, I definitely like the, the like personal DMs on the side because I'm definitely on Instagram like DMing the you know discussions around the discussion. Yeah, and sometimes like I'm DMing the mod like, hey, like invite so and so up to speak because like I know this person has something good sure. to say on this topic. Like that would be a great opportunity to not derail the conversation to unmute yourself and say, but like you could at least DM the mod maybe. Final question on Clubhouse, Nick, why have you not accepted my Clubhouse invitation yet? <laughs> I can see in my thing. Uh, pending invitations, and his has been there for like a month. All right, coming up on SCC. <laughs> As mentioned earlier, Clubhouse is an invite-only app, and it only works with Apple devices. You can also sign up for a waitlist via the website, but I recommend just asking around because each Clubhouse user is granted invitations, and their supply of invitations replenishes after they use it. So, if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, go get an account set up. I'm on Clubhouse quite a bit. Look forward to seeing you guys on there. We have a clubhouse group called Sports Cards Culture. So search the clubs, find Sports Cards Culture, and then make sure to follow it so you can see anytime we go live for a discussion. Coming up on Sports Cards Culture, we break down some eye-popping recent sales. Imagine. Everything you love about the hobby in the palm of your hand. An entire store at your fingertips. Everything you need to know about cards is within your grasp. Unlock the secrets of the hobby. Plus, so much more. You don't have to imagine anymore. It's here. Card Ladder. Get the app today. Watching SCC Sports Cards Culture. Keep up with the crew and follow them on all the socials. Plus, join Josh and Chris and sometimes special guest Christina every Friday night on Instagram Live. The crossover. All right, so I'd like to talk about two players whose cards are doing quite well right now: James Harden and Dwayne Wade. Uh, with Golden Auctions uh, ending last weekend, the the Elite Auction. James Harden's 2009 National Treasures Rookie Patch Autograph out of 99 in a BGS 9.5 Auto 10 slab sold for $87,000. Uh, the card has a population of 37, which puts its market cap at about $3.2 million in that particular grade. The card sold for as low as $8,800 last September, which means that over just the last seven months, this card has appreciated almost 900%, and it has gained $78,000 in absolute terms. So with this card nearing the six-figure mark, it's probably about time we acknowledge its incredible trajectory. So Josh, what is your take on the James Harden market in light of this $87,000 sale of his RPA? Did this surprise you? Does the price make sense? What do you think? 
It doesn't surprise me. The price makes sense. I think there's two things going on. One, Harden has drastically changed his narrative going forward with the Nets versus the Rockets. Like he's in a much better situation uh, for his own personal success. The the Nets are clearly a you know a juggernaut of a team, and they're going to be making a lot of noise in the playoffs. So his outlook going forward in terms of you know potential for championships is a lot better now. Secondly, um, you know you got guys like Luca. You got guys like Giannis, Curry, Durant. All of their RPAs have been doing really, really big numbers over the last six months, and I think people are just sensing like, hey, you know, why isn't Harden anywhere near those guys? Uh, you know, he should be. So like, his his prices have kind of caught up to those guys. Christina, what do you think about James Harden's RPA going for eighty seven thousand dollars? Are you a buyer? I'm not a buyer, but I'm not really a Harden fan, and I only really collect people I like. So that's not happening. But I am interested in what it means. Like there's at least two people in the world from this auction who think he's going to win a title. And upon doing so with his stats, like history will look favorably on him as a player, I think. And uh, it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting take. So you think this price has a title baked into it? Yes. Josh, do you agree with that? Do you think this price has a title baked in? Yeah, if the Nets don't win, his prices are going down. Because, like, they're expected to win at this point. I think that's right. Uh, here, what do you think about this sale? Um, I think this market is still getting its uh, footing. Uh, not just the hard markets, but a lot of different RPA markets. Dwayne Wade's RPA, which we're going to talk about a different Dwayne Wade card, but his RPA sold for just shy of a quarter million in the same auction, same grade 9.5. I think things are still getting sorted out. Um, Harden has one MVP and is one of the greatest scorers, if not the greatest individual scorer of all time. Uh, it's, It's nice to see that people are collecting him. And it bodes well for people who might not be collecting the top two, top three all-time players. Uh, so, okay. With PWCC last week, Dwayne Wade's 2003 Topps Chrome Gold Refractor out of 50 in a PSA 10 sold for $115,000. The card has a population of six, which puts its market cap at just under 700000 The card sold for forty six k last September, so this card has appreciated 150% over the last eight months. So Josh, with Wade's Topps Chrome Gold Refractor blowing past the six-figure mark, what is the state of Dwayne Wade collecting today? I think Dwayne Wade's a very collectible player. I I think he's got a lot of fans, particularly in Asia. He's got his shoe deal there. Uh, I think he's a very likable player. He was always seen as like the de facto, you know, like spiritual leader of the Heat, even when they had LeBron. Miami was kind of his city. He's got three championships. He's got a finals MVP. He's got all the things you look for in someone that's collectible. So I think that's first and foremost. Secondly, he's in the same rookie class as LeBron, so he's kind of attached to these major brands and these major products like 2003 Exquisite and Topps Chrome. So he's got like that sort of relationship to LeBron and their friends. Like There's a lot going there. And he's he's been sort of overlooked relative to some of his peers like LeBron and, and Kobe and you know some of those guys from that same from his like same era whose the prices have have jumped you know dramatically over the last few years and his have been sort of like slowly rising and now they're definitely catching up kind of this kind of the same as like how Harden's catching up to his peers Christina bigger yes. picture here 
Yes. We're talking about some pretty strong prices achieved for rare, iconic cards of Hall of Fame caliber players. But by the same token, these players are not the most collected players in the hobby. What does it mean to you that people are willing to go into the six-figure range for cards of guys like James Harden and Dwayne Wade? It means the people we collect are going to go for a lot more. <laughs> How does this affect me? Uh, Clubhouse 101, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, so I think that it's it shows that the hobby is extremely strong as a market um that we're not just talking about like jordan lebron kobe luca trout mantle like we're not just talking about like the goat or like the biggest prospect of the moment when we're talking about these big numbers we're talking about established players players who aren't playing anymore but um have gone into tv um, so they have like even more brand awareness than previously, um, if that was possible. And then we're talking about players who you're still prospecting a little bit. So, um, there is that rush of like, I'm going to get this before people start looking at it, um, with Harden. And I think that this shows that there's a lot of money in the hobby and people are trying to find their zag. I like it. Josh, same question to you. On a macro level, what can we learn about the hobby when James Harden and Dwayne Wade cards are selling in the six-figure range? Uh, I think mostly it's people, you know, looking for that zag, looking for something unique to find that's not, you know, already uh, six figures and trying to find that next player. But, you know, I, I do think it mostly uh, primarily speaks to just like the growth of the hobby like Christina and, and you mentioned earlier. So. I think it's great news. Those are, you know, fantastic all-time players, and I, I don't see any reason to to second guess or question these prices. They're, I mean, they're extremely iconic cards. They're they're some of their best cards that you can get in very high grades. They're they're not easy cards to acquire. They they come up very rarely, and if you like those players, you know, those that's your chance to get it. So, I think it's good for the hobby. Uh, you know, we could see a, a pullback just because uh, you know people are looking for that next that next jump and. We may see like a temporary jump and then it might correct back down. But overall, like I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about those those kind of players long term. Yeah. And I think uh, looking to the predecessor of the modern basketball market, which would be the vintage basketball and vintage baseball markets. uh, There are quite a few players who have cards in the six figure range in the highest grades. Bob Gibson. uh, For example, is a is a is an athlete who has a very expensive rookie card. In other words, there's room in the more mature markets like vintage for a lot of different great players to command very substantial prices. And I think it's an evolution of modern or relatively more modern athletes and sports cards to advance into that arena as well. And I don't think this stops with James Harden and uh, Dwayne Wade. I think uh, there's other players who probably are going to... uh, come up as well in the near future here so that will do it for episode 17 of sports cards culture see you guys next week thanks for watching tell us in the comment section below what the crew should cover next week and don't forget to subscribe see you next time at scc sports cards culture